Thank you, Libby, uh, for that song, of course. Pastor is on vacation, and so I have, I hope that you uh, pray that he has a safe trip, a good, restful trip. Uh, By the way, well, well, well earned. Pastor is one of, those of us on staff will say he is one of the hardest working men that you'll find, and one of the most diligent, organized uh, men out there, and so pray for him and his family to have a a great trip, and come back ready for a great fall. By the way, I'm excited about what God's been doing in our church. Uh, You'll see what's been going on on Sundays, uh, almost full up there, full down here. Going to talk about it in a minute, baptisms every single week. Thank God for what he's doing. We're looking forward to finishing the summer. This was our last schedule like this, and getting into the fall. And um, so I remember last week, Pastor preached, he talked about stewardship, right? We're going through our series and he went till about 8.15, 8.20, something like that, right? He normally doesn't do that. Pastor is like, a, is like clockwork, right? He, he's out right on time. And he said something, Brother John. He said, he said I'm going to make sure the guy that gets up there next week is t- done 10 minutes early, right? So he never told me that. So that wasn't a command. That was a suggestion, right? So uh, I didn't get any laughs. I didn't get any grunts out of that one. Y'all ready to get out early, huh? <laughs> that heat, that pizza, I know. We are in our staff series on uh, why we have follow-up ministry. And so tonight, uh, pastors asked us to talk about why we have follow-up ministries. And why do we go beyond just sharing the gospel and having church services, but throughout the week we reach out. On Tuesdays, we have soul winning. Saturdays, we have follow-up. We have discipleship program and all that. Why do we do that? And so I hope to uh, to share a little bit about that tonight with our church. No, I do not plan to uh, go past eight. gives us about half an hour. I think we'll we'll be good. Maybe we'll keep to pastors, uh, uh, what pastor said we're going to do. We'll see here. Let's turn our Bibles, if you will. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It's not in your notes. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Then we will look at the notes Uh, After we get there, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Keep your finger there. We'll look at Matthew chapter 28, which is in your notes. You don't need to turn there. Of course, if you have your booklet, some of you brought that, uh, you can just go to page. I'm not sure what page that is, but that is in that booklet that we passed out. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. The Bible says, Go ye therefore, very familiar verses, and teach all Nations. Of course, this was Christ's last command before he left this earth, as recorded in the book of Matthew and the Gospels, right? We say that Christ's last command should be our, y'all know, first priority, right? As a church and as individual Christians, we're going to get talking tonight. I know it's been hot, Gene, right? It's been hot. Um, fellowship yesterday, I was good. Um, but we got to get talking here, right? That'll be good. Uh, when I know that we're engaged, then we can get going forward. All right, go ye therefore and teach all nations. This is Christ's last command to us as a church and as Christians. It's the Great Commission. He says, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always." even unto the end of the world. Amen. You don't have this in your notes, but I'll make this statement. Getting the gospel to a lost and dying world that's on its way to an eternal hell is the heart of God. That is God's heart. Getting the gospel to a lost and dying world 
that's on its way to an eternal hell. And by the way, we don't believe this uh, Oprah Winfrey uh, gospel where she says, uh, you know, uh, all religions are like the spokes of a wheel. The center is God, he's the hub, and all religions get you to God. No, I, I got the opportunity to witness to someone from a different religion the other day, and, uh, and he said, well, Jesus was a good man, but he wasn't the son of God. Well, there's an issue there. Jesus cannot be a good man, but not the son of God, because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So he was either, he is either Lord, lunatic, or liar. Those are the only three options about Jesus Christ, Right? He's either Lord and he is who he said he was. God's son, the only way to salvation through which we have salvation, or he's a lunatic. I mentioned it before, right here on, on the west side there. Uh, there's a guy, he used to dress up when I was in college in a robe. And Brother Vong, he used to call himself Jesus Christ. He had a full-blown robe and he's panhandling for money. Now Jesus owns the paddle, uh, cattle on a thousand hills. I don't think he's going to be panhandling on San, uh, Santa Fe and Wardlow. Uh, there have been plenty of people, lunatics, people out of their mind that say they are somebody who they're not. Or he's a liar. And he's created the biggest scam in the history of the world because three billion people today claim he's a prophet or Lord, right? And so getting the gospel to a lost and dying world is the heart of God. No program that we have at Pacific Baptist Church is nearer to the heart of God than those that get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. If our college, our school, our Sunday school classes, our fellowships, by the way, I've been thankful for the summer fellowships. I love the Sunday schedules. I kind of like cooking for them sometimes, uh, but I'm also glad to get back to regular schedule, right? Real soon here, get back to Sunday school. But our Sunday school classes, our fellowships, our activities, our friendships, our buildings, our programs, our calendar, and anything else that we do, if it's not in some way connected to the furtherance of the gospel, we might be wise to ask ourselves, why do we even do it here at the church in the first place? Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 here. And the, the apostle Paul tells us exactly why. He says in verse 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the, what's that next word? Uh, we can, I think we do a little better than that. Becometh the what? Thank you. Only let your conversation be your life, your manner of living, how you talk, how you act, how you live. Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in how many spirits? One spirit. How many minds? One mind. Striving how? Together. So one spirit one mind striving together, this is as a church, for the further, uh, for, uh, striving together for the faith of the, what's the next word? For the gospel. And that's our goal. The Apostle Paul says that our very lives should be lived in a certain way because of and for the sake of the furtherance of the gospel. And that's what we ought to be working together for as a church. I'm glad to be part of a church where the baptism waters are stirred uh, just about every single week. Aren't you glad to be part of a church like that, right? I'm glad we're a part of a church that's doing something, people being saved, people being baptized. By the way, right here, right? Two weeks ago, one of you got baptized. This past week, you got baptized, right? If I'm not mistaken, this is your first midweek service, and you're here during the midweek service. Praise the Lord. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to see people getting saved, getting baptized, and taking steps of growth here at our church. Praise the Lord for that. 
I'm glad that we are part of a church that's soul conscious. We go out soul winning on Tuesdays and on, and on Saturdays. And by the way, God blesses, God blesses soul winning. Um, I used to tell my bus route, I used to say, you know, if we want to grow, we need to go out soul winning. And naturally, Brother John, if we go out soul winning as a bus route, it's not always the people we talk to. Somehow God causes our bus route to grow. Simple as that. As a Sunday school class, when we have more people go out soul winning from our Sunday school class, we see that God blesses and we grow numerically. By the way, as a church, the more soul winners that we have going out, God sees that, God blesses that, and we will grow as a church. You see what's happening on Sunday? Praise the Lord for that. But if we are going to be a true Great Commission church, we have to realize that simply sharing the gospel, knocking on a door, meeting someone at the blue line, meeting someone at the grocery store, taking the gospel and giving it to them and stopping right there, that is only one-third of the, of the Great Commission. We understand that? Just one-third. Sharing the gospel is the main thing. Furthering the gospel is what we're working together for, but that is only one-third of how Christianity is going to perpetuate itself for future generations. Does that make sense? We're going somewhere with that. There are still two-thirds to the Great Commission. We have a soul-winning church, and by the way, I'm thankful that we emphasize baptism. Thank God for that. But if every church member would get behind not just going out soul-winning, not just, but including encouraging people to follow in believers' baptism, but if we would get behind this thing of follow-up and discipleship, I'm going to tell you right now, this building could not contain the people God brings our way. Absolutely not. I, I don't remember if it was pastor talking about it or I was looking through some of my dad's old notes, but they're talking about possibly blowing out that back wall. Can we at least finish the building first, right? Let's, let's like finish this thing, get the gym going, have gym nights for 40 and older. Right, Brother Vong? Wait, you 40 yet? Oh, don't, don't, not publicly. Okay, all right. Now, I'm getting there quickly. Uh, before service, I was talking to Dennis. Where's Dennis? He said, you know, he goes, I'm not even 30 yet. He said, my doctor said that really old people past 40. I said, hey, hey, hey I'm almost there. Thank you. Um, but uh, pastor's talking about, uh, or I saw it somewhere, possibly blowing walls out and making more room for people. We're already starting to fill up the balcony, right? Let's finish the gym first. Thank you. Uh, but I really believe that if every individual in our church got behind not just going out soul winning, but personally following up, and discipling somebody. I guarantee it. And by the way, you see it in God's word. This, this property, this entire property, could not handle the people God would bring our way. It would not. It would not. You say, why is it so successful? And, and, and Brother Vaughn, you could attest to this. Why, why are we seeing churches planted and, and, and things happening there? Discipleship, follow-up, follow-up. That, that's the heartbeat of what goes on over there. I know that. And let's talk about that a little bit tonight. Uh, i got to move here. Uh, let's look at our notes here. I think that first blank there, if we're going to follow the tr if we are going to be true Great Commission uh, churches, we must realize that soul winning is only one third of the Great Commission. Next, following up with those who have been saved is the other two thirds. By the way, I'm glad we have a church that does that, but we're talking about why and how we can do it to a greater extent uh, just for a few minutes tonight. How can I practically be a part of follow up ministry or who can I follow up on? I'm glad you asked. We've got about 20 minutes left, and I think we'll get this in. Here we go. Number one, number one, following up with, you can put prospects or prospective Christians. Prospects or prospective Christians. 
Acts chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Let's read that together. Is it, is it warm? How many of you are warm in here this evening? You're warm? Okay, a few of us. Brother Paul, is it already cranking? Is that the best we can do? Okay. It's not? We can get it cooler? Can we do it? Please? I, I see people fanning, taking their jackets off and whatnot. I wouldn't. Not like my dad. My dad used to say, he said, I take my jacket off, but I don't want to make you flinch. Remember, he used to say that. Thank you. I don't have the same guns that he had. That's okay. Um, Acts chapter 17, 1 to 2. Let's follow together here uh, if we can. Following up with prospects or following up with prospective Christians. There's there's prospects to be saved, but maybe they're not saved yet. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 and 2 says this. says, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Which would become which church? Thessalonians, right? And we know that this church is going to become a great church. It's going to be an exemplary church. They're going to show people how to give, how to sacrifice, how to suffer. They were an example of the believers to many other churches. Paul said that later on. But here is just the beginning. And let's see how Paul began to see these people saved in Acts chapter 17, 1-2. It says, They came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and how many weeks? No, talk to me. How many weeks? Well, one more time. How many weeks? Three weeks. weeks. So three weeks reasoned with them out of the scriptures. And so he went in the first week, and Paul had a heart to share the gospel, right? So we went through the first week, and he opened up the scriptures, and he preached Christ. Then Maybe some weren't ready. Maybe he knew they were open. And so he goes back a second week and he opens the scriptures and he preaches Christ. Then you see a third week. He opens up the scriptures. He preaches Christ. We know as a result of that, a great church in that area was started and great things happened because of it. You say, what's the point there? I'm all for door-to-door soul winning. And by the way, we need to go door-to-door soul winning. But not every single person that we talk to is going to get saved the first time we talk to them. Right? Y'all understand? I want to ask a question. How many of you were saved the very first time, the very first time you you heard the gospel? You were ready and you accepted Christ right away. Raise your hand. Some of you did. Okay. I see in the auditorium, and we have a pretty good crowd here tonight. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So nine. And by the way, that's including kids. Right? Not every person that comes to church and hears the gospel during the invitation, they're a visitor the very first time, is ready to get saved. Your neighbors, probably the first time you share the gospel with them, they might not be ready to get saved. Your friends, the first time you share the gospel with them, they might not be ready to trust Christ. Getting ahead of myself, but the Muslim guy who's seeking Christ that I was able to share the gospel, his name's Muhammad. I shared the gospel with him this week, Brother Vong. The Holy Spirit's been drawing him. There's conviction all over his face. I think he's almost ready, but he wasn't ready. He grew up in Islam his entire life. What am I saying here today? The Apostle Paul, probably the greatest gospel apologist in the world, he would go back time and time and time and time again. If there was an open door to preach Christ, he would do it until those people got saved. And I want to ask you today, is there somebody that you shared the gospel with once, but maybe they brushed you off and you stopped? I want to encourage you, follow up. I want to encourage you, go back. I want to encourage you, pray for that person. Maybe it's a mom. You know, we have stories of people in our church where parents and siblings and children, it was year after year after year after year, and they finally came to Christ. Don't stop praying. Don't stop sharing. 
Don't stop pleading. The Bible says we persuade men. Sometimes it takes some persuasion. What did Paul do? He would go as long as there was an open door until those people came to Christ. And if I can say this, the further we get away from Judeo-Christian principles, the more, Brother Vong, what percentage would you say in Cambodia the first time you share the gospel, someone gets saved? 1% if that? 0.5%, half a percent. Why is that? No Christian background. Y'all notice going out soul winning, the further we get into secularism, the less people already know about the gospel. You notice that? How many of you notice that going out soul winning? Uh, um, there's some people, it's, 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 it's eerie almost, Brother Fong. We live in America. We live in, in, in California where the gospel's been for a long time. The further we get into secularism, the more we're going to have to be persistent and faithful and patient to go back and follow up to see people get saved. It's as simple as that. The less we're going to be able to go do a quick 10-minute presentation, a quick two-minute prayer, and, oh, they're saved. It's going to take some time and persistence there. I think of, and I've shared this before, my, my Aunt Mary and my uncle and my dad for decades and for decades and for decades try to share the gospel with her and try to share the gospel with her and try to share the gospel. And she brushed it off and she, she shunned it. And um, she was 80 years old, 80 years old. And when my dad got sick, she said, you know what? Uh, it, it was for the sake of my mom to be able to win the fall program prize. She said, she said I'll come so you can win the prize. Did nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the gospel. She said, I'll come so you can win the prize. And she did win the prize, that, 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 uh, that program. But she came and, and she started coming. And she'd only miss if she was really sick. But she still wouldn't get saved. I remember, I remember, Miss Karen, where you at? You and my mom went to the hospital, and you all were in tears pleading with her, right? Her heart was only functioning at about 40 beats per minute, if, if not less than that. that. That was the high. And you all in tears were pleading with her to get saved. And you know what she said on her, on her almost deathbed? No, I'm not ready. I mean, I don't know how much more ready you can get. <laughs> if I was beating at 40 a minute, I'd be ready to go. She was not ready. Then she said no. And so you know what we did? We shared the gospel with her again. You know what we did? We shared the gospel with her again. And every time we had an opportunity, we plant those seeds. And she'd ask a question because she was deep into Catholicism early on. And we'd answer her questions. You know what happened a couple years, uh, probably about a year after that? She came to us. We didn't come to her. She said, I'm ready. Ready for what? A Sunday. She walked down the aisle in our Sunday school class. And she said, she said I'm ready to be saved. She got saved. And she passed away not too long after that. And thank God she's in heaven today because some people were persistent. Praise the Lord. Uh, there was a lady that, you two young men, Miss Gibson, right? Uh, how long ago was that? A year and a half ago, maybe? Something like that. They knocked on her door. And knocked on her door, and, and she didn't come the first time, didn't come the second time, probably didn't come the sixth time. But she left the door open. And so the bus workers went back and went back and went back and went back, and then they got Miss Vicky. I think she's on vacation today. Got Miss Vicky. Miss Vicky went by. She said, I think she's a good prospect for Sunday school. Gave us the contact information. We went by, dropped off some groceries, built a relationship with her. Long story short, she came to church. Came to church, finally. A couple months later, came to church. Not too long after that, uh, she started inquiring about salvation. Wasn't ready yet, but inquiring about it. And a few months back, Miss Vicky was able to lead her to the Lord. Not too long after that, she got baptized. About two months ago, she started discipleship, and about two weeks ago, she died. What if... Some young men, just a faithful lay lady, some people in a Sunday school class, were not persistent in following up with the gospel. She'd probably be in hell today, right? 
And so it's, it's never a waste of time to be persistent when it comes to the gospel. I think of, Tim is back there, um, I think of Robert, and I shared that before. Talk about associates. You know, some of your associates, man, those guys will never get saved. You don't know. You don't know what they're going through in their life. But, but uh, Brother Albert's dad, and, and Tim, Tim tries to be a, a light when he's working with his guys. And long story short, some of you know the story, um, but he was, some, some things happened to him way back in the day as a child, Catholic church, whole nine yards, right? And, 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 and he was just turned off to religion, turned off to the clergy, turned off to Christianity. But it was friend day, and Tim was pushing him. And, and, and you've gotten a lot of your guys here on friend day. Some of them have stuck it out. And, and Tim said, you got to come on friend day, got to come on friend day, got to come on friend day. If I remember, he didn't come on friend day, but he came the week after, if I'm not mistaken. So he came the week after, and he got saved. Got saved. And by the way, that was, it took a while. He knew he needed to get saved. And he's, ah, I don't want to go out to eat. Don't want to go out to eat. Don't want to go out to eat. Because he knew. When we went out to eat, he admitted, the re- he had told you, I think, the reason why he didn't want to go out to eat, because he knew he needed to be saved. And he's wrestling with it. Praise the Lord at Chick-fil-A on Atlantic over an Oreo shake and some fries. He said, yes, I know I need to trust Christ, and I'm ready to do it right here and right now. And right over that meal, he bowed his head. He trusted Christ as a Savior. Not too long after that, he got COVID. He ended up on a respirator. He didn't last two weeks. He died. And thank God, a co-worker, and thank God, his son, and thank God, some others, were persistent when it came to sharing the gospel. I want to ask you, is there anybody in your life that maybe you were persistent and you backed off? I want to challenge you, get back at it. Let's be persistent with prospective Christians when it comes to the gospel. Now, there's another, uh, there are actually two men in our Sunday school class, and I won't go into it. One, one man, uh, Brother Dan invited time and time again. We had discipleship at my house when I used to live right here at, on Daisy. Um, actually, two, two men, both men. Same night, trusted Christ. Both of them were baptized, and uh, one of them was murdered uh, just about a year and a half after that. Thank God that a bus worker, thank God that some care group leaders, and thank God that some people in the Sunday school class were persistent to get them into discipleship, and a few months later, they were saved, and they're in heaven today. Y'all getting this? This is starting to make sense. It's important that we're persistent when it comes to the gospel. By the way, the religious people, if they're Buddhist, if they're Muslim, if they're especially Jehovah Witness or, or Mormons, you're probably not going to get them to convert on the, on the spot, Right? I mentioned a, a Muslim guy that I shared the gospel with uh, the other day. It's amazing. Who was with me? That's a bit. You went, uh, Angel, right? Yourself, Miguel, and, and, and Brother Viet, who's at, at Bethel tonight. Um, we went out there, went to a door, and we said, hey, can we give you something? Um, can, we talk to you about, can we talk to you about God? Can we talk to you about eternity? Kind of looked at us a little bit weird. Kind of got big eyes. And he said, he said, this is really ironic. He said, I grew up in Islam my entire life, my entire life. It's all I've ever known. My family's Muslim. He said, just today at work, he said, I decided to buy a Bible and start reading the Bible for the first time. He said, then God sent you guys our way. Talk about a divine appointment, right? And I really believe that the Holy Spirit's work. But, but you know, there's a cost involved. I don't know. His family's probably the probably same with the Muslims in Cambodia. His family's probably not going to be real thrilled if he converts to Christianity. There's some cost to count, right? And anyways, we plan to go back, and there are going to be some people like that that we're going to have to go back and follow up on for the sake of the gospel. By the way, friend day's coming up. <laughs> he said it right there. A lot of years. 
A lot of years, right? And it was year after year after year. Come on, friend day. Come on, friend day. Come on, friend day. Y'all came about a year ago, right? Two years ago? Year, year and a half, two years ago? Now, super faithful. And, 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 and him and his wife and, and their kids have a little baby, and, and he's excited. They, they got a job so they can be faithful to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. They're here Thursday night. Praise the Lord. Why? Because somebody was persistent. I want to challenge you. Be, pers- per- be persistent. And uh, who is it in your life that you can go back to? And I've got... Eight minutes left for three points. Let's go. All right. I know you're looking at this. You're saying, Brother Joseph, we're on the first point. What's going on? We'll move here. Next. Make sure I get you that blank there. I'll give you the main points for sake of time, all right? Number two. Number two. Let's move along. We said following up with prospects. Number two. Following up with baby Christians. Baby Christians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 to 8, a church that would become a great church. How did the Apostle Paul work with them? Look here. He said, but we were gentle among you. Keep that word gentle in mind. Even as a nurse cherisheth her children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. Have you noticed on... Sunday mornings, that there's a lot of brand new people. How many of you noticed that? A lot of baby Christians out there, right? A lot of baby Christians. So here's the million-dollar question. How are those baby Christians going to get from, I was going to say spiritual diapers, from being a baby Christian to maturity in Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's got to be somebody that follows up, and that disciples and takes them from where they are to where God wants them to be. You say, well, that's pastor's job. It is pastor's job. You say, that's the staff's job. It is the staff's job. But let me tell you this, it's every Christian's job too. And I want to challenge every one of us. Let's look around our church. And and I don't have time to, I have two, three more pages of notes. But uh, there are in our Sunday school class 10 to 12 people that are faithful every single week that weren't here a year ago. They need some help. I need some people from our class to latch on to those people and disciple them and follow up on them and help them to maturity in Christ. Who can you get in your Sunday school class and follow up on and, and help them to get to maturity in Christ? Babies take time. Uh, I'm not an expert by any means. Brother Vong, eight, way more of an expert than we are, okay? <laughs> He's pointing to his wife. Yes, we know. Um, we have five and, and, and one more, allegedly, in two and a half weeks, but we're always late, so probably three and a half weeks, we'll have another little one, God willing. Um, y'all that had children, you know that, that children take a lot of time, a lot of work, and a lot of wisdom. It's the same thing with baby Christians. If they're going to come from being a baby Christian to maturity, it's going to take work. Let me move down here a little bit. My my little guy, Andrew. Andrew does not, he doesn't look back. Um, He doesn't understand that there are potential dangers of wandering literally anywhere uh, without anybody and and just not looking back over his shoulder. We were in Sunday school not too long ago. Glitch in the system, Jen, I know. Um, And he was supposed to be with me, and I realized that. And so... I was just greeting people in Sunday school, and, and my wife came afterwards and said, do you know where Andrew is? I have no idea where Andrew is. He had wandered his little self out to the front, up the stairs by himself, wandered out to the front grass. He's rolling down the grass. This is Sunday morning. Visitors, people passing by, and not a care in the world, just wandering all by himself. I had a couple of people say, yeah, we saw him in the hallway. We saw him by the kids. We saw him in the front. Babies 
new Christians, they don't understand the potential. There's a, anyways, let's, let's move on here. He doesn't understand the danger of heights. He doesn't understand the dangers of being alone. He doesn't understand a lot of things that's going to take his parents training him and helping him and guiding him to where he learns those things. He just got afraid of heights after falling a couple times. Uh, anyways, same is true with new Christians. It's going to take someone following up with them and helping them along. This is where the second and third part of the Great Commission come into play. We're not just to see people saved. We're to see them baptized and teach them to do what we've been taught and commanded. I want to look at a couple of words that the Apostle Paul uses here. I'm going to go quickly, and hopefully these will help us. First of all, he said, we were gentle among you. It's going to take some gentleness in helping people to where they ought to be. Who can you look at in your Sunday school class, on your bus route, maybe someone that you've shared the gospel with, and help gently push? By the way, be gentle with new Christians, right? He said, we were gentle among you. Um, I'm not going to, uh, uh, thankfully, you guys were, King James, not too long after you got saved, you guys were all in, right? And, and, and talking to us about rock music, man, it's of the devil. Praise the Lord, that's my kind of new convert right there. But, you know, if someone comes in, and they've got an NIV, or they've got some other kind of Bible, don't say, you know what, that, that's, uh, maybe we can use that for toilet paper. No, don't do that. They're not ready for that. There was someone that said, you know, my parents have an NIV, and I think I'm going to rip it up to show them a lesson. Brother John, I think you might know this story. And so he ripped it up at the house, and guess what? His parents stopped coming to church. Why? They're not ready for that. It's going to take some people gently leading them along. Now, I will say this on the flip side. If you've been here for a while and you come, uh, you know, bumping your rap music in the parking lot, Angel, turn that thing at least down to where we can't hear it, all right? We're probably going to say something to you, right? Uh, you know, after a while, I'm not going to look at some new person and, and uh, dressing like a Jezebel. But by the way, once you've been here 10 years, stop coming in with the miniskirts. That, that was a word of knowledge. It just came out. Um, seriously, after 10, 15 years, man, stop showing all that flesh. Come on now. Um, there's, there's, there's gently leading people to maturity, then there's you know better. All right, so just because we're gent- leading some people gently, um, and, and by the way, there's, 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 we could talk about music. We could talk about social media. Pastor's talking about that a, much, a, a while. After you get supposed to be to maturity, Paul said, I don't want to feed you with milk when you should be eating meat, but that's a different sermon for another day. All right, sorry, that just came out. All right, next, cherishing. That means to care for, to protect, to aid, to attend to. New people, sometimes they need to be missed, right? Be attentive to their needs. Next, I'm just going to move here. Affection. Affection. they got to know that you care. He said we were affectionate to you. It's not enough to greet people on, uh, just on Sundays. What does pastor say? People return to a church because they were what? Who said that? Was that you? Thanks, Terry. Because they were friendly, but people stay in a church. Why? Because they develop what? Because they develop friends. It's not enough just for us to go around on Sunday mornings and, hey, you know, they've been here for two years, and hey, brother, still don't know their name. Hey, sister, (laughs) we don't know their name. No one's got their contact information. No one's taking them out to eat. If there's someone who's been here for a while, one thing I appreciate, uh, we we have a a couple new families, and you probably have 10 or 15 people's um, uh, uh, contact already. Why? Because there's people that are saying, hey, let's trade contact information. Let's stay stay in contact and um, affection. they got to know we care. Next, they gave of themselves. They gave them the, of themselves, their time, their talents, their treasure, their mind, their will, and their emotions. And that's, how, how do we follow up like that on Saturdays throughout the week? Uh, my uncle shares the illustration. I'm watching. I've got about two minutes left. I'm going to wrap it up. I really am. Uh, my uncle shares the illustration when he was a single young man in the army, just got saved, didn't really have any direction. There was a family that found out he got saved. They took him into their home. 
uh, in the evenings, fed him. By the way, singles, if you feed them, they will come, right? And so he, they fed him, and they took that time to disciple him and bring him toward maturity in Christ. Who is there in your Sunday school class, in your life, your family, on your block, on your bus route, in our church, that you can look at and you can say, you know what, I'm going to follow up on that person. I'm going to take an interest on that, in that person. I'm going to disciple that person and try to help them to, from where they are to where God wants them to be. Let me just give you this, all right? I'll give you the next one real quick here. Following up with growing Christians. I've planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. There comes a point where they're saved, and we have a, fo- we have a follow-up plan. It's saved here. You can uh, I have it right here. You can say it after me. Saved, baptized, membership, discipleship, serving. I'm surprised I remembered that. Saved, baptized, membership, discipleship, and serving. And that's the goal. And once people get through those, get through those five steps, that's the goal that Pastor has laid out for us to walk people through. It's very clear, very concise. Then there's a whole lot more to the Christian life that's included in that, right? And once we have that relationship with them, then we can help them with, with that. Uh, Pastor, share the illustration. We've got about 45 seconds left, and I'll wrap it up. Pastor shared the illustration where he had some singles over at his house, and I think, Miss Danny, I don't remember if, if Brother Jerry and others uh, would, would go, other, uh, go over. I think so, but a lot of the old-timers would go over. And saved, baptized, serving in ministry, and, uh, and one of them asked and, and, and started dating a girl that he had no business dating, right? And uh, he came over to the house, and it wasn't during a sermon. It wasn't during a formal discipleship session on Thursday nights. It was 11 o'clock at night after that single guy came from City College, probably raided his fridge without asking. At least they used to do that at our house. Um, and they were just sitting there hanging out, and he brought it up, and he said, hey, he said, what do you think about me dating this girl? And pastor said, you know, I'm glad you asked. It's probably not a good idea. And he said, you know, I was thinking the exact same thing. And he dropped her, and now he's one of our missionaries in Southeast Asia. Um, and, Mary, and you say, who is it? Well, we'll figure it out, right? Um, but how did that happen? That didn't happen behind the pulpit. That didn't happen in a formal discipleship setting. That happened because somebody, Pastor Myers, who, by the way, is tremendous at this, took an interest in somebody, a single college student, had him over to his house, and because he had that relationship, he had that opportunity to influence him from where he was to where God wanted him to be. You say, is that something only pastor can do? No, that's something you can do. That's something I can do. And that's why we have follow-up ministry, because every single one of us is called not just to see people saved, but to see them baptized and to follow up and disciple them. And if every single one of us Uh, We won't show that graphic, guys, for sake of time. If every single one of us would get a hold of this concept and see who can I disciple and who can I take to maturity in Christ, I promise you, this place cannot hold us. It cannot. We'll have to bust out those walls, expand, then we still won't have enough space, and we'll have to start churches and send missionaries because we just won't know what to do with all the people. It'll be great. Anyhow, thank you so much for listening tonight. I know it was a little warm. Let's pray, and we'll let you go. Let's stand together first, if you would, please. Apologize, I talked a little fast. Tried to get a lot in in that short amount of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and examples in your word uh, that teach us. And, and Lord, you've given us a method. You've given us a model. And Lord, I believe that if every single one of us would get a hold of it, and our church does great at this already, but if every single member 
Let's see, who can I grab hold of? Who can I invest in? Who can I take from where they are to where God wants them to be and follow up and follow up and follow up? Lord, I, I really believe we can make a major impact, not just in our city, but in the surrounding areas and in the future around the world. Please be with us as we go our separate ways. Be with Pastor and those that are on vacation. Keep them safe. Give them a great time. Be with us as we meet until we meet together again. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.